Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to a History of Europe, Key Battles. The French Wars of Religion, 1562 to 1598. Part 3 of 4. Last week I talked about the outbreak of the French Wars of Religion. At the same time as this was happening, a similar crisis broke out across the border in the Habsburg territories of the Low Countries, or Netherlands. The Habsburg's authorities had tried hard to stamp out Protestantism throughout the Empire and at first were having some success. In the 1540s, the numbers of Protestants declined, but in the 1550s, as in France, their fortunes were revived. In 1556, Philip II inherited the Low Countries at the same time as he became King of Spain. At first, the local Protestants were cautious about open descent, but Philip's heavy-handedness helped combine the zeal of the Protestant minority with the fierce pride of the Dutch nobility in the defence of their traditional local privileges. Trouble began with calls over demands from Philip for more taxes. Dutch nobles were also unhappy about the increased powers put into the hands of Philip's representatives. What's more, they bitterly resented proposals for reforms which threatened the liberties which they had fought so hard for since the times of the Valois Dukes of Burgundy. Tensions came out fully into the open in 1566, known in the Netherlands as the Wonder Year the real beginning of Dutch resistance to Spanish rule. The problems were exacerbated by the fact that the region was suffering economic hardships, made worse by a bad harvest in 1565 and a disruption of trade due to war in the Baltic. In early August 1566, a monastery church in Flanders was sacked by a mob. This incident was followed by similar riots elsewhere in the region, many of which took on an iconoclastic nature. Protestants attacked the symbols of the old religion. They stormed churches and destroyed images and sacred works of art. 
The nobility was split by those who opposed the movement and those who supported it, led by William of Orange, also known as William the Silent, and the future founder of a Dutch monarchy. Realising he had lost control of the situation, Philip II saw no other option than to send in an army to suppress the rebellion. On the 22nd of August, 1567, Fernando Alvarez de Toledo, 3rd Duke of Alba, marched into Brussels at the head of 10,000 troops, and at least temporarily restored some order. On his way to the Netherlands, the Duke of Alba marched along France's eastern border, which greatly alarmed the French government. When the French military were mobilised to counter any possible Spanish attack, the Huguenots saw this as a threat to themselves. Condé and Coligny gathered a large Protestant army near the town of Meaux in northern France. They planned to capture Catherine and young King Charles IX, but the coup failed. The only major confrontation of the rather brief Second French War of Religion of 1567 to 1568 occurred at Saint-Denis, just north of Paris, in November 1567. Anne of Montmontsuy led the Catholics to victory and forced the Protestants to flee southwards, but in the midst of the fighting he was badly wounded and died two days later, another setback for the Catholics. Both sides realised an outright victory was unlikely to be achieved, so another truce was agreed and another edict signed in March 1568, which was more or less a reiteration of the Edict of Amboise of 1563. It must have seemed clear to all that the peace settlement was only ever going to be temporary. Each accused their respective sovereigns of being misled by evil counsellors. The Huguenots had in mind the Cardinal of Lorraine, who had become the dominant influence in the French king's court. His known contacts with Spanish interests and his support for Catholic plots in England in favour of her niece, Mary, Queen of Scots, made him the arch-enemy of the Protestant cause. It is worth making a small diversion to look at the state of religious conflict elsewhere within Christendom in this period. In the Baltic region, the British Isles and northern Germany, Protestants were clearly gaining the upper hand. By contrast, in Iberia and Italy, Catholics were still dominant. However, in the swathe of Central Europe, the outcome of events remained uncertain, and the political situation was unstable. The Netherlands was about to enter decades of instability. Switzerland was divided in religion, with each town and region choosing for itself which way to go. In much of the empire and the Habsburgs' lands, the religious balance of power remained precarious. And to the east in Hungary and in the Balkans, the balance tipped in favour of the Protestants, in particular in Transylvania, whose rulers openly championed a reformed church. In France, the Protestant movement was the strongest in the west and south, in the regions bordering the Atlantic and Mediterranean coastlines. The implementation of royal edicts designed to bring peace were patchy and depended on local circumstances. There were frequent disagreements throughout the country about the details such as what preachers were exactly allowed to say in the pulpit, or how many adherents of each religion should sit in municipal councils. In some places, local communities were able to find a way to live with their differences, where, for example, local councillors became elected from both confessions.
the Third Civil War was triggered by events in the Low Countries. In June 1568, 60 Protestant nobles, including a cousin of Coligny, were put to death in the Grand Place in Brussels. William of Orange managed to flee to France, where he linked up with Condé and Coligny. They signed a formal treaty of mutual support against their Catholic opponents. While neither side was in strong enough position to offer much sustained aid to the other, it was clear they had a common cause and common enemies. Their principal common enemy was Philip II of Spain, who in the Netherlands was violently putting down revolts, while in France supporting the efforts of the French Catholic leader Cardinal of Lorraine to renew war against Protestants. Their main financial backer was Queen Elizabeth of England, who had her own concerns about a potential Catholic insurgency. It was because of these international ties that the Third Civil War was longer and more protracted than the previous two. The Third War began when the Cardinal of Lorraine attempted to arrest the Huguenot leaders. Condé and Coligny were made aware and managed to flee the French court. They travelled to the Protestant stronghold of La Rochelle in southwest France and were joined on their way by many fellow Protestants. In September they combined forces with Jean d'Albray and her son Henry of Navarre, who brought with them considerable reinforcements. Moreover, the Huguenots also enjoyed some foreign support in the form of troops from William of Orange, as well as a German mercenary army. Even with these reinforcements, however, the first two major confrontations of the Third Civil War went badly for them. In March 1569, a royal army soundly defeated the Protestant forces at the Battle of Yarnak. Among the casualties was Louis, Prince of Condé, who was killed after he had surrendered. When in October 1569 the Protestants suffered another severe defeat near Poitiers, Coligny and the remnants of his army were forced to retreat to the southeast towards Languedoc in order to regroup. The situation at this point looked desperate for the Protestants, but Coligny somehow managed to regain the military initiative. While the king's army sat down to a long and costly siege at Saint-Jean d'Angely, Coligny regrouped his forces and the next spring marched on Paris in the hope of securing an advantageous peace. In spite of the royalist military superiority, the French crown was deep in debt and simply lacked the funds to continue the war. So on the 29th of July, 1570, the Peace of Saint-Germain was agreed, which allowed a few further concessions to the Huguenots. The new edict marked a distinct, though not huge, advance for the Huguenots. They were allowed freedom of worship in many parts of the kingdom. They were also allowed into all universities, schools and hospitals. They were permitted to have their own cemeteries, and all their confiscated property and offices were to be handed back. Admiral Coligny had secured a small victory from the jaws of defeat, yet this compromise agreement was as fragile as all its predecessors, and it did not take long for conflict to break out again. The next time this occurred, there would take place the most famous event of the whole French Wars of Religion, the Massacre of St Bartholomew's Day.
the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre of 1572 is often seen as a unique event in the history of the Wars of Religion, for which Charles IX and his mother, Catherine de' Medici, have been blamed. Yet, writes R.J. Connect in his book, The French Wars of Religion, 1559-1598, it is better understood as the culmination of a long series of popular disturbances in Paris. One such disturbance occurred over a stone pyramid surmounted by a cross, which had been erected in the city at the site of a riot in which tens of Protestants were killed, and symbolised the triumph of Catholicism. When Edict of Saint-Germain ordered the destruction of St. Monuments, the Parisians refused to obey. The cross had to be forcibly removed, and further riots broke out. In September 1571, Admiral Coligny returned to the Royal Court and was readmitted to the King's Council. Catholic nobles were displeased at the influence he appeared to hold in court, and things came to a head at a royal marriage on the 18th of August, 1572, between Henry of Navarre and a daughter of Catherine de' Medici, Margarita of Valois. The wedding was followed by four days of festivities in the form of tournaments, banquets and balls. On the 22nd of August, as Carini was walking from the court to his residence in Paris, he was wounded by a shot fired from the window of a house nearby. Carini considered leaving pro-Catholic Paris, but in spite of the dangerous situation, refused to leave the capital and placed his trust in the king's promise to track down and punish the would-be assassin. The king, however, was being told by his council particularly the Guise family, of the risks of a Protestant uprising in the capital. So he and his mother, Catherine, backed the council's scheme for a pre-emptive strike. On Sunday, the 24th of August, St Bartholomew's Day, royal troops following the king's orders murdered the Huguenots' leaders still in Paris. On hearing the news, Catholic extremists took this as an opportunity to copy suit and launch an attack on their Protestant neighbours. Three days of the most savage killings and mutilations of Protestants ensued, and in the next few weeks they were repeated in major cities throughout the kingdom. It has been estimated that 5,000 victims were killed. Among those killed was Admiral Coligny, who was stabbed to death by supporters of the Guise family. The bridegroom, Henry of Navarre, escaped only by agreeing to convert to Catholicism, and he was held under arrest for the next few years. The St Bartholomew's Day Massacre followed similar patterns of violence in other parts of Western Europe, such as in the Netherlands and Münster, no longer just among the nobility, but the common people. Ordinary people were feeling increasingly proud of their religious identities, and they often grew to despise people of different religious opinions. Feelings were often more intense between neighbours, and spontaneous violence between rival mobs became common. Local militias often found it impossible to control the fury of the crowds. Viewed by Catholics as threats to the social order, Huguenots were not only to be exterminated but also humiliated. Many Protestant houses were burned, invoking the traditional purification by fire of heretics. Murdered victims were often dehumanised, slaughtered like animals. Corini's body, for example, was mutilated, his head, hands and genitals cut off. The corpse was then dragged through the streets, set alight and then thrown into the River Seine. 
the effect of the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre went far beyond the immediate violence and killings. Never again did the Protestant community in France feel the excitement and self-confidence which had led to their dramatic expansion over the previous decade. They became justifiably fearful of a repeat of the savagery of 1572. Many adherents simply gave up and faded back into the mainstream Catholic Church, particularly in the north of the country. The remaining strength of the reformers, indeed in modern times, came to be in the south, away from Paris. The Huguenots, nevertheless, did not give up entirely, and concentrated in a small number of cities where they formed a majority. They still enjoyed good support among the French nobility, and they retained a good level of military strength. Although the Protestants were now on the back foot, they were not going away, and the French crown still needed to try and find some compromise agreement which would satisfy both communities. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 